Well, good morning, fellowship. How are you today? Good morning. My name is Daniel Grothy. If you weren't here last week, I'm visiting from Colorado Springs. I work up at New Life Church, been there 13 years. And Pastor Charlie's getting a break, and we are thrilled to be letting him rest. And we're going to be doing a six-week series going through the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians 1. And while you're turning there, let me ask, anyone get to the fair? Anyone get to the fair? You, get, you see the world's biggest pig and get the funnel cake. And anyway, well, I'm glad you're here today. My kids always love coming down here for the fair. So if, uh, if you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians 1. And what I'm going to do is read verses 15 through 20, and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. Sound good to you? Sound good to you? Yes. All right, talk to me today, y'all. Come on now. You were happier than that at the fair. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Colossians 1, 15 through 20, the Apostle Paul is writing to this small group of new believers in Colossae, Turkey, and Paul is in prison in Ephesus, and he's been overlooked and forgotten, and these people have been overlooked and forgotten, and Paul is writing to encourage them, and he says this in verse 15, he, Jesus, is the image, the Son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is the beginning, he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everyone say, hold together. There you go. All things hold together in him. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, we say, come and move among us. Isaiah said that the word of God is like the rain and the snow that falls down from the heavens and waters the earth so that there be seed for the sower and bread for those who eat. And Lord, we thank you that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes everything you sent. So let your word fall on us today like rain and snow from the heavens and water us and nourish us and make us more like Jesus. We pray let your word race through this place and let it race through our hearts. And so I pray today, Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Last week, we looked at how Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, is beginning like a father, speaking to young children in the faith. He says, I'm so proud of you. I know you've heard the gospel of Jesus and you've, you, your faith has been uh, seen and your love has been seen the way you've taken care of all God's holy people. And he said, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm so proud of you. The way you're fighting through, the way you're working, it's, it's not been lost on us. Word is getting out about your faithfulness. And so Paul encourages them like a father in the faith. But these were young believers, as I've said, and they were unsure and uncertain of so much. And so Paul essentially asks the question, do you want to know who this Jesus Christ is? 
Like you're new to the story and you've heard that he was raised from the dead and you've believed the gospel and you're starting to sync your life up with that. But let me tell you who Jesus really is. And in this text, he says four things about Jesus that I want to put in front of us today. So here's number one that Paul says about Jesus. He says, Christ is the Lord of creation. Everyone say creation. creation. Christ is the Lord of creation. A couple years ago, at Christmas, I was running around with my two boys. We were doing errands, and my wife and my daughter were elsewhere. And, and my little boy at the time was four. Wakely, he was four, and my other boy, Wilson, was six. And so we're driving, and Wakely says, uh, Hey, Dad, uh, Christmas is Jesus' birthday? God's birthday? And I said, Yeah, Christmas is God's birthday. And he said, Well, how old is he? <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant question for a little four-year-old mind and pretty profound. And I was thinking something to say and getting ready to, you know, address how old God is. And before I could, before anything could come out of my mouth and right after my son Wakely asked the question, well, how old is God? My son Wilson, who was six, says, there was never a time when he was not. <laughs> Holy smokes, little theologian might as well have been at the Council of Nicaea in 325, hashing out the church's document, statement of faith. There was never a time when he was not. You know, I got quickened, you know. It was amazing. Christ is the Lord of creation, says Paul. So imagine this moment in time is, is the moment in Genesis 1 where God said, let there be light, and there was. And what Paul is saying is that Jesus was over here speaking into it the great doctrine of the trinity is the statement of god being father son and holy spirit this triune nature of god where uh, the father has been saying over the son from all eternity this is my son whom i love in him i am well pleased before god said let there be light and there was god has been saying over his son jesus this is my son in whom i'm well pleased and from all eternity jesus has been responding into your hands I commit my spirit, Father. Before he hung on the cross and said, into your hands I commit my spirit, Jesus has been saying from of old, into your hands I commit my spirit and I only want to do what I see you doing and I only want to say what I hear you saying. And theologians talk about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of the love that is shared between the Father and the Son that is like the great lasso that goes out into all creation to pull us, his created beings, up into the love that the Father and the Son share the doctrine of the trinity father son holy spirit paul says christ is the lord over all creation which means he has been the pre-existent being who has always been he is the one who was he is the one who is and he is the one who is to come there was never a time when he was not christ is the lord of creation. John in his opening letter, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and there was nothing that was made that was not made by Him. Jesus is God's Word, and He always has been. He's the Lord of creation. But Paul wants them to know who they're working with. And he says, it's not just that Jesus was before all things. Yes, absolutely, he was before all things. But Paul in verse 17 says, he was before all things and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. He is the great bookend 
of God, the one who stood before creation and the one in whom all things hold together. The word there in the Greek, hold together, is sunistemi. Everyone say sunistemi. It's a fun word. You can teach it to your kids. Sunistemi. And, and what it means is to, to come to be in a condition of coherence. To come to be in a condition of coherence. That, that he is before all things and in Jesus Christ everything finds its coherence. Everything is able to stand. Everything, there is a true north. There is a way. There is a, a, a sacred canopy under which we can find safety. And as we worship Jesus and stay underneath Jesus, our lives are coherent. Our lives are protected. And, which means that if we run out from underneath the lordship of Jesus, our lives fall apart. And this is exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve walked away. What happens is creation that was brought out of chaos and into order begins to de devolve into disorder through sin. In Jesus Christ, all things hold together. But we, like Adam and Eve, wiggled out from underneath his lordship. And the question is, what will God do when we do this? When we walk away, what is God going to be like? Well, what you find in Genesis chapter 3 is that when Adam and Eve took from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and, evil, good and evil, they discovered they were naked and they were ashamed and they ran and they hid. And what do we see God doing? He comes back into the garden looking for them. This is the God who races after us when we've raced away from him to reclaim us. This is the God who finds us in our mess and chases, chases us back down. The question is, what would God do? And Paul, the second thing he tells us about Christ is that Christ is the Lord of redemption. Everyone say redemption. So he's the Lord of creation. He was before all things and in him all things hold together. But when we run away, we find that he's the Lord of redemption. My grandparents, I, I told some of you last week and showed some stories. I've got a bunch of farmers in my background, great grandparents and grandparents. And you know what I learned about watching them is that they never threw anything away. Our grandparents' generation, they, they, they fixed what they had. They didn't go buy, if the tractor broke down, you didn't go buy a new tractor. You figured out how to work with the tractor you had and you fixed it. So the, there was nothing my grandpa couldn't do because he had to learn how to fix what he had. Our grandparents' generation didn't throw anything away. And I want to suggest to you that God doesn't throw anything away. When we walk away from him and our lives break down, God doesn't throw us on the trash pile of history and say, guess I'll go make a new one and start over. What he does is he steps down into the ashes of our lives and he is the God who breathes his breath back into us and makes beauty out of the ashes. This is the God who restores the, the breach. This is the God who, who rebuilds the ancient ruins. This is the God of redemption. And one of the great gospel proclamations is that God is the one who forgives us of all our sins. Isaiah 43, 25, he says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions and remembers your sins no more. Isaiah 1, 18, God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. This is the God who forgives us. And in Psalm 103, the great psalm, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, saints, your sins have been forgiven you. This is the Lord of redemption. The good news is that Jesus will still work with us. 
Jesus is the one who picks us up out of the dust. And he says, where are your accusers? Now go and sin no more. He turns us loose in the power of his spirit. He is the Lord of creation, yes. And he is the Lord of redemption, yes. There is forgiveness for us. The one who was whole became flesh and moved into our brokenness so that our brokenness could be brought up into his wholeness. Do you see what theologians call the great exchange here? Jesus gives us his perfection and takes on our imperfections so that we can be brought up into his newness of life, the great exchange. Paul would say it better than I ever could in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, the great exchange. Christ is the Lord of redemption. It's one thing to say that God forgives us of our sins, that when we mess up and we come to him, yes, he's there to forgive us of our sins. But it's an entirely different thing to be able to say that he also gives us the grace and the power and the way forward to overcome our sins. You see the difference? Forgiveness of sins, that's fantastic. But if we're stuck in them forever, it's just sort of a, it's just uh, a transactional thing and we're waiting for some day when God returns. But actually by the spirit of the Lord, what scripture tells us is that yes, we're forgiven of our sins, but we're also empowered to walk out of them into God's wholeness and into overcoming victory. Can we say amen, brothers and sisters? Amen. There is freedom for us, which is the third thing that Paul tells us. Christ is the Lord of new creation. Everyone say new creation. We've got Christ as the Lord of creation. Christ is the Lord of redemption who forgives our sins. But Paul says he's the Lord of new creation. Now, when we get excited about things today, you know, we text people or we, we send emails or we post on Facebook or whatever. When we get excited about something like uh, the pizza was so good or the game was amazing or, we, you know, stupid stuff we get excited about, we put like 37 exclamation points after it, right? Oh my goodness, exclamation, I'm excited, I'm excited, that's what we're saying. But in the ancient days, on these scrolls, these are all parchment paper, and you've got a stylus, and you have limited space, so what, they didn't use punctuation like we do. So they jam all the words together, in and so if they wanted you to understand that you needed to pay attention to something, or that they were excited about something, they would use repetition, repetition, they would say it again as a way for you to understand, oh wait, he's trying to communicate something here. And Paul uses repetition here in Colossians chapter 1, and he gives us two firstborns. He uses the word firstborn twice. He's the firstborn over all creation, we've already seen that. Jesus stood before creation, but it says that he is the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. The firstborn of creation, but the firstborn from among the dead. Now, why does he talk about that? Because for us as human beings, death is the very worst thing we could imagine. Death is the end of the story for us. Death means there are no futures. Death means there are, there's no potential. Death means we can no longer speak for ourselves or defend ourselves or fight for our own rights. Death means that it's just over. They get a shovel, they dig out the dirt, and they put... Death means our story has stopped. And Jesus Christ is the one who was crucified on Good Friday, and they put him in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. 
and his disciples who three years earlier had left their family businesses and left their favorite people and left their little villages where their lives were working just fine. Imagine watching Jesus be put into Joseph of Arimathea's tomb and you've given the last three years of your life and now it's come to this another sad ending. Their heads are down. Their lives have been seriously interrupted. Their tails are between their legs. They're beleaguered and bewildered and they've lost their dear friend and they've watched this bloody, gruesome death and now it's over. And What am I going to do with my life? I had hitched my wagon to this man who seemed so promising and now his broken body is in a grave. The end. Death. Finality. No more future. What am I going to do with myself now? But on the third day. <laughs> but on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. And just like Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb with Mary and Martha, and he'd been wrapped up for four days, and his body was stinky, and it was filthy, and his story was over, Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rises up. Jesus was in the grave, and the father shouts, Son, come forth. And Jesus bursts forth from the grave, and they watch him. And what, what, what it says, when, when Paul says he's the firstborn from among the dead, is that there is no space that Jesus does not have lordship over. The very worst thing that could happen to you, the very worst day of your life, the, the defining moments of your past that have hung over your life, the shame and the embarrassment and the sin and, and the, the, the reputation that was lost. It's a, when Paul says he's the firstborn from among the dead, it means that there is no space over which Jesus Christ cannot be Lord for you. Jesus Christ is the firstborn from among the dead, and he knows what to do with your death. He knows what to do with your fear. He knows what to do with your embarrassment. He knows what to do with your habitual sins. He knows what to do. Jesus Christ is not afraid. He is the Lord. He is the firstborn from among the dead, and he has supremacy over every bit of of life. Can we say amen? amen? Christ has the supremacy. I want you to see that Jesus stands before creation and he stands after death. Jesus rises up and he is Lord over it all. Look at the empirical evidence we have in the Gospels to show the great transformation, the great new creation power. On one side of the resurrection, let's imagine that this is the cross and the, on the resurrection of Jesus. This is the dividing point of history where everything changed. On this side over here, you've got disciples being goofy, embarrassing figures. I mean, uh, on one side of the resurrection, many of them were embarrassing figures. You've got James and John. They're walking through the village. You remember the story. And, and the village goes, ah, get out of here, Jesus. You're not welcome. There's no room. Keep moving. You know, carry on. And James and John, their blood starts to boil and they're foaming at the mouth. How dare you say that to my master? You know, and they're getting all ticked off. I'm from Oklahoma, so I can go there, you know. Oh. Uh. How y'all doing? You know, how big an old boy are you? They wanted to come into town and destroy him. And they said, Jesus, we read that story in Genesis about Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, Let's do Sodom and Gomorrah 2.0 on him. Let's go for it. Come in. You just give us the green light. Give us the nuclear code and we'll get them, God. And Jesus goes, bless your little hearts. You don't even know the spirit that you're of. He goes, do you think I came to destroy? Do you think I came to do more of that? Do you think I came to make life more miserable? I came to lift up. I came to heal. I came to restore. Like, quit that. 
You got Peter on the night Jesus was handed over to suffering and death. And Jesus at the Last Supper had said to Peter, Brother, you're going to deny me three times. Never, Lord. I would be, they can hang me up there with you, but I ain't walking away from you. Jesus is hanging up on the tree. And before the rooster crows that night, Peter denies Jesus three times. I never even knew the man. Quit accusing him. That's not me. You're confusing me for someone else. I never even, leave me alone. I don't know who you're talking about. While his friend is bleeding out for the life of the world. I don't even know him. On one side of the resurrection, we've got embarrassing figures. We've got people who are botching it. We've got people who are sinning and falling short of the glory of God, just like we do all the time. We know what it's like to be embarrassing figures at times. But on the other side of the resurrection, what we see is that the disciples went to their graves as compelling figures. We know what happened to Judas, but 10 out of the other 11, you know what happened to them? They went to their graves as martyrs for the name of Jesus Christ. They were carrying the gospel all around the Mediterranean basin saying, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, planting churches and calling people out of darkness and into marvelous light. And they were laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. And they were giving everything, selling their possessions, and they'd forsaken their lives. And they just said, you know what? I'm going to throw caution to the wind because Jesus Christ is Lord and I'm going to die but Jesus was raised and he's the firstborn from among the dead so Jesus will know what to do with my death and Peter the one who before Jesus was dead denied him three times Peter you know what happens on this side of the resurrection he stands on the day of Pentecost and pro pro proclaims preaches the very first sermon and 3,000 people are saved that day Peter goes all over the world planting churches and Peter ultimately gives his life and they're about to hang him on his own cross but before he does, Christian tradition says, I'm not, Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Hang me upside down. I never knew the man. I never knew the man. I never knew the man. Jesus is raised. Hang me upside down. Jesus Christ is Lord. Woo! New creation. New creation. New creation. Embarrassing figure compelling figure because Paul said Christ is the Lord of new creation. Christ is the one who's going to inaugurate for you a brand new future. Christ is the one who's going to lead you out of your very worst embarrassments and your sin and your shame and your habitual patterns of, of ungodliness. Because Jesus is raised, you can be too. He's the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Saints, I want to tell you today that we are living on the right side of the resurrection. <laughs> Many of us come in here and we're stuck in our sins and we think our lives have been irretrievably lost and we just hope that Jesus will find it within him to forgive us, but we know there's no victory. There's no like newness. There's no possibilities for me to live a different life. I'm just going to keep going to Jesus when I throw things away, but we're living with our head down and our tail between our legs and we're mailing it in and we're just waiting for the sweet by and by. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not how the people of God have been called to live because Christ Jesus has given us new creation life. Can we say amen today? Amen. There is a new way forward for us. We are living on the right side of the creation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not therefore, if the good Christians are in Christ, they're new creation. Therefore, if anyone will give themselves over to Jesus, the new creation has come right now. The old has gone and the new is here. Paul is saying you don't have to wait for heaven 
to start walking in victory. New creation is here. The fourth thing that Paul says is Christ is the Lord of the congregation. He's the Lord of the creation, yes. He's the Lord of redemption, absolutely. He's the Lord of new creation, sending us back out into our lives, absolutely. But, but Paul wants us to know that the people of God matter, that Jesus Christ has a plan for the congregation. And I want to suggest to you that uh, the church is the way Jesus takes up space in the world. <laughs> the church is the way Jesus takes up space in the world. You know what? I've never actually seen Jesus with my eyes. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't an eyewitness. And he hasn't come to me in a vision. I've never seen Jesus. But you know what? Something strange happens when the people of God gather together. Jesus, by his spirit, shows up and he starts doing stuff. I've, I've actually seen Jesus because I've seen people in the church. I've seen God's people. The church is the way that Jesus takes up space in the world. Paul tells us that Jesus Christ has been given to be head over the church, which is God's body, the fullness of him who fills everything in all ways. As we get ready uh, to come and receive from communion here in just a minute, I want to tell you a story. I got a call a couple weeks ago from our pastor, our missions pastor, and he was in Rwanda. And he's a South African guy, Pastor Rion. He was over in Rwanda at a mission that we support. And he said, Daniel, you will not believe what I saw. Now, rewinding just a little bit, in 1994, Rwanda had an incredible civil war that just, uh, it would stagger the mind, the, the amount of bloodshed. And, and easy estimates say that 800,000 people died in 100 days and probably closer to a million people died. The Hutus rose up against the Tutsis, rivaling... Uh, 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 people and they fought each other and this wasn't advanced weaponry machine guns this was machete these people died at the end of a machete and after a hundred days of the war the nation was almost staggered and the adrenaline had just drained out of their system they're finally looking themselves at the, in the mirror going what have we just done like who are we and how could this happen to us so one of the stories that we heard was a man rose up against this family and he struck the family down. All of the family, he, he, he killed this entire family except one daughter got away. She ran out and this man slaughtered the rest of her family. Well, the eyewitness reports, after the war was over, people started saying, we saw this man kill that family. We know. And it was, it was, irretri it was irrefutable. So they took this man to court and they sentenced him to 25 years in prison. This man goes to prison and he's... He's not a worshiper of Jesus, clearly. He's rotting away in this prison. He's, anger is eating him up. Shame is eating him up. Well, this church in the region started saying, you know what? There's all these people in our prison who are, who are here. There's all these new people in our prison from the war. We ought to go in and tell them about Jesus because we know the way and the truth and the life. And so this church started going in once a week. And they go in and say, essentially, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus is the one who suffered violence. He didn't take up a sword and destroy other people. He let other people destroy him, and in so doing, he put violence to death. Jesus is the one who exhausts the power of violence in his own broken body and shed blood. And they said to this man, Jesus Christ is Lord, and ultimately over the weeks and over the months, this man bows the knee, and he says, Jesus, forgive me. 
I am so sorry. I have not lived like you. I've played the fool. I've destroyed other people's lives. I'm a shell of who you meant me to be. Jesus, would you please give me redemption and new creation? This man calls on the name of Jesus. He's got 17, 18 more years to finish his sentence. Well, finally, he just finished his sentence. And he got out and he came to this church and he said to the church, if you could, I know that girl lived. I know that one girl got away. Could you please just pass on how sorry I am? I know she'd never want to see me. But could you please tell her that I'm remorseful and I'm heartbroken at my actions and I've given myself to Jesus and I'm repentant. Please let her know how much my heart breaks for what I did to her family. And the girl said, I will see him. What? She's a believer in Jesus. I will see him. So my friend, Rion, the missions pastor, was at the church that night when this man, fresh out of prison, comes. And this girl who'd lost her entire family at this man's hands. And this man falls down in front of her and he says, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I, nothing I could ever do could, could make it right. And I, I'm, I'm ashamed and I've repented to Jesus and I repent to you. Please forgive me. And this girl picks him up off the ground and she hugs his neck and she says, I forgive you in Jesus' name. Where does that happen except the church? Where does that happen except among the people of God? And what I want to say to us as the congregation is that we are the way that Jesus takes up space in the world. When you go to your work tomorrow and someone offends you and you turn the other cheek. When you go to your school tomorrow and someone says, someone curses you, says something filthy about you and you say, bless you. Jesus is the one who teaches us to bless those who curse us and to pray for those who despitefully use us. When we walk around our cities and around our neighborhoods and we see people who are poor and they're hungry and we can give them something to eat, we do that in the name of Jesus. When we walk the streets, Jesus walks the streets is what I want us to know. The church is the way that Jesus takes up space in the world. And Paul says Jesus Christ is the Lord of the congregation and he wants to use you and me to bring his blessing and life and forgiveness into the world. Can we say amen? So church, there's three groups of people that I want us to, to re talk to today. Three groups of people that I've been praying for. The first is people who have forgotten about the gift of life in the church. Maybe you, you, you regularly come, but you're sort of living at arm's length and there's not really any connection. You don't really know anyone. You're, it's, it's not family yet. The church is meant to be the family of God. And so if that's you living at arm's length, today I'm calling you to go all in. <laughs> today I'm calling you to double down and, and to realize that this is the gift God has given us and that we can be stronger together if we'll live as the body of Christ. The second group is the people in here who've just sort of settled for a life of sin management. Ah, uh, gee, thank God Jesus will forgive me, and oh, woe is me, and we're just sort of living below the gift that he's given us of new creation. And you need to know today that there's new creation power for you. You need to know today that you can be free from your sins. You need to know today that you can exercise and walk in victory over the things that used to ensnare you. Jesus has new creation power for you today. Some of you are believing that for the first time in a long time. Would you say yes to that today in your heart? The third group, some of you need to take that step toward Jesus. 
you're kind of on the periphery, you're just hearing about this Jesus thing, you're new to church, you're new to this whole thing, and you're questioning. Today's the day where you just go, you know what, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> he's just the guy. He, he's the one who was and is and is to come, and I'm saying yes. Wherever you are on that spectrum today, can we give ourselves to Jesus? Jesus on